0: Thank you for joining us for a life-changing message from Norm Oberlin, pastor of Mount Hope Church in beautiful Gaylord, Michigan. Our prayer is that this message will help strengthen and encourage your walk with Christ. Please enjoy. And now, here is Pastor Norm. And I have been working on the book of Revelation in my studies, and that's what we're going through, as you can see behind me. But as I go through this, it's like, I think I'm going to get Brother Jim, do you ever do this where you think you're going to make it through a whole chapter? And you're stuck on two verses. And it's like, Lord, these people are going to be bored with this. I don't care. That's what I heard. I don't care. They need to hear this. So I'm like, all right, all right. If they need to hear it, I need to hear it. So I studied this thing out again. And I'm telling you, I found so much more new stuff about Well, you'll find out here in just a minute. Would you pray with me? Lord, we thank you for the Word of God. And I'm just a simple enough pastor to believe that it's truth. Every bit of it, from cover to cover, Genesis to Revelation. Lord, unless it says it's not real, unless it says it's a symbol of something to come, Lord, we take it literally. And the book of Revelation is no different. Today, Lord, I pray that you would give each one of us eyes to see and ears to hear the things of God. Lord, you said that to every church, all seven of them. Those who have ears, let them hear. I pray that'd be the case here today. And Lord, if this man doesn't say it, Lord, I pray that you would speak something into every person's life, something they need to hear today that will challenge them, change them, convict them if needed. But Lord, we pray when it's all said and done that you would be well pleased, that you would be glorified. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen, amen. Amen. Well, I want to go back to Revelation chapter 4, and that's where I was when we met two weeks ago. Last week, of course, Pastor Barb and I did the uh, Father's Day message, and I felt like it went pretty good. You know, we're still kind of figuring each other out. We've only been married 41 years. And... I, love, I love how we finish each other's sentence. We don't even need to talk anymore. We, we just know. Right? Isn't that true, Pastor Barb? We know, and, and this is a little bit silly, but we'll be on the road. We'll be driving from here to, like, say, Lansing. We don't have to say a word We already know what the other one's thinking. It's amazing. It's like we can read each other's minds because our mind is the other person's mind. That's how long we've been together. You know what? It didn't sound good. I meant that as a compliment. That's how we should be with Jesus. We should be like him, think like him, look like him as the body of Christ. Right? Amen, Pastor. Hallelujah. All right, I'm going to keep an eye on the clock today. I'm actually going to try to get done by one. (laughs) Seth's like, no, I got a date, man. Go ahead. ahead. Revelation chapter 4 and... Unless otherwise identified, I will be reading from the New Living Testament. All right. Then as I looked, I saw a door standing open in heaven. Everybody say, Woo-hoo. "Woohoo!" And the same voice I had heard before spoke to me like a trumpet blast. The voice said, come up here, and I will show you what must happen after this. And instantly I was in the Spirit, and I saw a throne in heaven and someone sitting on it. who do you think was sitting on the throne today in part six of this series I suspect there are going to be a hundred parts by the time I you know what I'm saying right yeah anyway what I want you to see here is there is an open door an open heaven if Phil were here I'd say Phil an open heaven where is he? What do you you know what? Because you guys are here, everybody shifted, and I don't know where they're at. God bless you. It's great to see an open heaven. You get excited about that. Me too. I love open heavens. And by the way, this is the fourth occurrence in the Book of Revelation where we see this. All right. In fact, uh, I have them up behind me. One of them. Uh, Verse 20, chapter 3, that happened twice there. But what I want you to see is whenever you see a door or a gate, it always represents who? Jesus. There's no one else. Jesus. The open door is Jesus. There's one door to heaven, and that is through Jesus. You know, if we could get this in our spirit, we'd be all set. Because the world thinks all roads lead to heaven. They'll tell you that. Now, brother, if you come against any other religion, that's hate speech. No, it's truth. Why would I lie to you? Why would I say, oh, yeah, you know what? Go ahead. You, you go over there and you worship your God. You'll be all right. You know, uh-uh. Jesus. Jesus. And here's the thing. Jesus is the open door, but that door is going to close. How do I know that? Because Scripture tells me. Remember the virgins? How many were there? Ten. Five wise and then five? And what happened to the five wise? They? Why? They were ready. All right? They go in. Woo-hoo. They're ready to celebrate with the groom, with Jesus. Where, hey, what happened to the, the foolish ones? Where'd they go? They went to get stuff. They ran out of oil. They went to get more, and they weren't ready. And what happened? The door was shut. This actually says that. Those who were ready went in with him, Jesus. To the marriage feast and the door was locked what was the door what does that usually mean listen you're not going to pick this lock you might be good but you will not pick this lock I don't care how good you are you're not going to get through that door to heaven unless you're ready to begin with are you with me so far See, that's good preaching, pastor, because if, if you don't tell me this, you know, it's not going to be. It's up to you. It's in your hands. Jim, do you feel like that? When, when your people challenge you and, and like they're your best cheerleaders, it's awesome, isn't it? Then you feel like a rock star up here. Maybe not a rock star, but yeah, I do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just trying to go with the flow here hallelujah. Where am I? So heaven's door stays locked until that image that we played for the offering song comes true. Revelation 19. Then I saw heaven open and a white horse was standing there and its rider was named Faithful and True for he judges fairly and wages what? A righteous righteous work. Keep that in mind because we're going to talk about that. Here we see heaven open once again. And who's standing in the open heaven? Jesus, right? And he's getting ready to return to the earth to wage a righteous war, a righteous battle. And once he's defeated his enemy, then, then, all of us who are going to be with him during this battle are going to help rule and reign for a thousand years. On this planet. Alright? That's pretty cool. So Jesus is standing in this open heaven. There's only one way to heaven. And the Bible says in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father but through the Son. No one. There's no other name that will get you to heaven. No other God. Good karma won't get you in. Your mama's prayers won't get you a pass. Brother Larry was telling me, yeah, you, King Larry, he was telling me about how this year they didn't get the VIP pass, right? You you got one color down, which allowed you to go to everything except the backstage where all the big shots were. Now last year they gave them these VIP passes and you got to go everywhere, right? Like a stalker, stalker, he said. But this year you couldn't hang out with all the brothers and sisters in the Lord that were the rock star people because you didn't have the right band. Same is true in heaven. You got to have the right band to get in and the band is Jesus' band. My son keeps saying, what would Jesus do? you got to have the what would Jesus do band. No, you've got to be connected to Jesus, born again. You've got to have given him your life. And you need to be serving him until he returns. And then, when that trumpet blows, you will be taken up with the rest of us. Hallelujah. But that's the only way that you're going to get through that open door. Jesus. Jesus. You see, only Jesus paid the price for your sins at Calvary. Only Jesus gave his life as a ransom for many. And I have a bunch of scriptures up here behind me if you want to go and look those up. I'm not going to show them to you today. But here's the thing, church. And I know I'm speaking to a lot of people that are already born again. There's an urgency. There's an urgency. Oops an urgency for the church to get this message out to the lost. How many don't know him? How many in your family alone you know of at least a handful of people that don't know Jesus? And then you look around in your workplace, in the school, in, in the shopping malls. How many more don't know that jesus died for their sins and it's up to us to tell them to take this very urgent and important message to them listen some of you you might work next to a drunk that needs to know that jesus is the way the truth and the life well you say well he's always drunk so what i used to be a drunk god got a hold of me through a mexican named jaime and I finally gave my heart to Jesus because that man did not give up on me. He kept coming to my door, coming to my door. Jesus is the way. Jesus is the truth. Jesus is the life. I'm shut up. But finally, when I was in that low spot in my life, I said, brother, tell me about this Jesus. And that's what we have to be looking for, our people who are ready to hear the truth. And God gets them ready. He got me ready. He'll get those people ready. We need to be intentional in our witness. That means everything you do should reek of Jesus. Hello? And I'm not talking about how you look. Look around this room. There isn't a person in here that looks the same. Some of you are dressed to the hilt. You're wearing your suits. My son Troy, I I told him I wasn't going to pick on him. He, He looks so awesome every Sunday, and son, I'm proud of you. You're doing that to honor the Lord, and I know that. I come out in my wrinkled shirt, but it happens to be Pastor Barb's favorite on me because it highlights my blue eyes, she said. <laughs> We're all different, but the message that's in us is the same. Jesus saved me. I'm born again. Not because of anything I did, but because I put my trust in Calvary. Yes. And Jesus paid the price. And now, whew, I'm one of his. I'm a king's kid, Larry. I'm a king's kid. Yeah. I love it. I feel good. I feel good. Na, 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 na. we need to tell people that Jesus is the open door don't don't wait (laughs) tell them a bunch of times well they don't want to hear it tell them again I didn't want to hear it at first that man had to tell me at least I don't even know 30 40 times Jesus loves you shut up he heard that so much, but he didn't give up on me. How many of you have had somebody that you've been working on? You know what I'm saying? You've been trying to infect them with Jesus. The more they hang out with you, the more Jesus is going to get on them. And sometimes it makes them angry. Because you represent the light, and darkness likes to hide. Right? So they might not always be your best friend, but that doesn't mean you give up. Oh, well, they don't want it. They don't want Jesus. No, you go back after them. You pray for them. You fast for them. And you say, Jesus loves you. He's an open door. And if you don't go through it, something terrible is going to happen. I'm telling you, man, something terrible is going to happen. And then you start telling them about the rapture of the church. Hallelujah. I love it because that door is about to close. What? Yeah. It's going to close. We just read it. Matthew 25, verse 10, part B. That's the address. The door closes. They don't want to be here when that happens. All hell's going to break loose on this planet. When the devil's given free reign. But the good news is, in the moment, in the twinkling of an eye, we're going to be taken up. The word is actually snatched away. It means we're going to be plucked. I love that. We're going to be plucked. Everybody say that. Plucked from the earth. And I have an illustration for you to watch. Here you go. Watch this. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth, and the earth was without form, and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. And God said, let there be light, and there was light. And God saw the light, They it was good you <laughs> Not know the hour your Lord is coming. I want you to know, church, that Jesus Christ could come this month, or he might come next week, or he could even come. If you haven't seen that before, sorry. <laughs> but I wanted it to have an impact. Because that's what it's gonna happen. Just like that. What you saw there, people who know the truth who aren't living for Jesus, they're gonna be like the young man, the young woman. They're gonna break down and go, No, no, I'm left behind. No. Why? Why didn't I do what I know I was supposed to do? Why didn't I follow Jesus? Why didn't I do the things the Bible tells me to do? But the people that aren't there anymore, they aren't going to be worried about it. What? Tribulation? Who cares? Because where are we going to be? We're going to be in our glorified bodies in heaven at the marriage supper of the lamb and listen i don't know what the chefs in heaven are going to make but i promise it's going to be good because you've already seen god's handiwork all right maybe chef jesus is going to get up there i don't know you were out there today cooking that bacon man i was like whoo that smells good i'm thinking jesus Imagine him flipping burgers for us. He'd do that, wouldn't he? He's awesome. He rocks. Our God. I don't know about you, but when that rapture takes place, I want to go up in what we call the first resurrection. All right? Proof texts that I used the last time I spoke were First Thessalonians 4, 15 to 18, and 1 Corinthians 15, 51 and 52. If you're interested, you can go back on our sermon audios or audio sermons on uh, GaylordChurch.com and and just pick up part five on June 11th. And I go through a lot more detail today, or then, than I am going to today on the rapture. Because I'm actually trying to get into a little more of the tribulation. Which I already said this, but verses, or chapters 6 through uh, 18 are all about what? Tribulation. That's a lot of chapters. I told you this before. The first chapter was about the past. Chapters 2 and 3 were about the present. And then chapter 4 and 5 are about the future. I'm going to talk about heaven when we come back next week. I think. I'm pretty sure. Unless the Holy Spirit does something else again. But I'm believing I'm going to get there next week because we were actually going to spend this week worshiping and just talking about what it's going to be like in heaven, kumbaya. No, it'll be better than that. How important is it that people understand the rapture is coming? If you knew there was going to be a fire in the building next door, Somehow, you knew it was coming. God gave you a premonition. You saw the future, whatever. You saw the flames. You saw the people dying in that fire. What would you do? Go warn them. okay? You run over and you say, there's going to be a fire in your building. You need to get out. You're going to look at me just like that. (laughs) You're going to go, dude, you're mental. There's no fire. Life is good. If you knew there was going to be a fire, you'd warn them. You would probably take one of these with with you. Just in case it broke out while you were there. You would be ready. To help those people understand that if they didn't make a change they didn't get out of that building they'd probably die it's not any different living in this world because we know church we know what's coming hell on earth we know right now there's an open door But that door is going to close. And if we don't tell them, who will? The long official name for this is evangelism. We need to get out there and tell people about Jesus. But most of us, most of us are just, hey, I'm ready. It's cool, I'm ready can't wait to hear the pastor's message today, man. Man, I hope it pumps me up. Hope it's good. Hope it's funny. Because I need funny today. But what are you doing with it? What are you going to do with it once you've got it? Because there are people going to hell. They're lost without him. If they don't find that open door... Before that trumpet blasts, they're going to be on this planet for seven years of pure hell. Hallelujah. There's a question that's often asked pertaining to the rapture. Those who don't believe that the the church is going to be raptured. And it is, all right, if, if the church is raptured, then who's the Bible talking about? Who's the one that's going to get that mark? You know, what's that mark? What, what's the mark of the beast? What, what? Everybody knows, right? It's 666, right? Who's going to get that mark if the church isn't here? At least this is the premise to their argument that we're still here. We go through this thing. <clears throat> I don't believe we're going to be here. I don't believe the church is going to have to fight through the tribulation. As I've already shared in part five, the church can't be here because the church is already in heaven. Then who's left behind? Oops. These people. Make sure your name's not up there. This is the left-behind group. The Gentiles. What's a Gentile? An unbeliever, a non-Jew. All right? That's number one. Number two, the hypocrites. These are church people, people that show up on Sundays, people that claim to be all that, but aren't. They're not ready. Their hearts are not right with God. Some in this room would fall into this. And then the last, the unconverted Jews. Now some Jews have converted to Jesus. They've given their hearts to him and and they make awesome Christians because they know Hebrew. Do you know Hebrew, brother? No, me either. I have to get it out of the commentaries. There will be converted Jews, but most have not yet accepted the fact that Jesus is their Messiah. So that's the three groups of people that we're going to see left behind. We have been given about 2,000 years, thanks to God's grace, to get right with Him. This has been what we like to call the age of the Gentiles, or you could call it the age of grace. Either one is appropriate. 2,000 years to get right with Him. How many are pushing the envelope? Don't raise your hand. What is the age of Gentiles? It's the period from the time that Jesus died, was buried, and was, rose from, He rose from the dead. Holding what? The keys to Death and hell, all right? So he's got all authority now in heaven and on earth. And he wanted to share that with us. But he said, in order to share in that, we have to do one thing. We have to be born again. This old man can't get to heaven. You have to be washed in the spirit and in the blood. Hallelujah. But if you'll do that, your name will be written in the Lamb's Book of Life. And when that day comes, you will go up with the church. Hallelujah. So God showed mercy on the non-Jews. Because the Jews denied Him. I'd like to read a little bit about this. If you have your Bibles, Romans 11, verse 25. I want you to understand this mystery, Paul said, so that you will not feel proud about yourselves. Some of the people of Israel have hard hearts, but this will last only until the full number of Gentiles comes to Christ. You with me? Can you see that last part of that verse that I just read? Can you see that there is a timeline? There's a number in heaven. Now only the Father knows what that number is, but eventually He's going to say, enough time for the Gentiles. Jesus, go get them. Go get the church. Bring them back. Hallelujah. Verse 26, And so all Israel will be saved. And the Scriptures say, the one who rescues will come from Jerusalem, and he will turn Israel away from ungodliness. Let me ask you this, have we seen this yet? Has Israel been turned away from their ungodliness? Who is the one that that this passage is talking about? The one who rescues, who is he? Jesus, has Jesus rescued the Jews yet? I think we can affirmatively say no, it has not happened. So that leads me to believe that we are still on this side of the rapture. We're still in the age of grace, but that door, folks, is going to close, and I believe it's going to close soon. Now, the one who rescues is Jesus, who comes out of Jerusalem. But this little part kind of threw me, and I, I had to actually look it up. All Israel will be saved. And if you would, I wanted to read from the IVP commentary. That said that's InterVarsity Press. Jewish teachers commonly said that all Israel will be saved, but then went on to list which Israelites would not be saved. The phrase thus means Israel as a whole, but not necessarily including every individual, will be saved. In other words, the great majority of the surviving Jewish remnant will turn to faith in Christ during this time period. That's exciting for the Jews, and they're going to have their day. The next verse, verse 27. This is My covenant with them. I will take away their sins. Many of the people of Israel are now enemies of the good news. And this benefits you Gentiles. If it weren't for this change, if it weren't for the Jews denying Christ, I don't know if we would have had this opportunity. But they did and God did allow us to come into the fold he grafts us in through the vine through jesus yet they are still the people he loves because he chose their ancestors abraham isaac and jacob verse 29 for god's gifts and his call can never be withdrawn listen if god makes a covenant with somebody it's gonna happen has it happened yet no but it's going to now here's the good news the Jews' loss was our gain. I didn't say that. Paul did. The Jews' loss was our gain. But, the day's coming soon when that door is going to close and as I already said, the Father's going to say, Jesus, go get them. Bring the church home. And then, then the Jews are going to start getting saved. One after another after another. Because they're 144,000 Jewish evangelists just waiting for their time. Their engines are running. They're ready to go. Just like somebody at the start of a race. Man, they got their stance. And as soon as the Holy Spirit says, go get them, they're going to start running. And the Jewish people are going to come to Christ in the hundreds of thousands, if not millions. That's pretty cool. That has not happened yet, but it's going to. The new converts, though, those who are saved after we're raptured, are going to have to live through the tribulation. The tribulation. What's the tribulation? A seven-year period that we'll talk about here briefly in just a minute. Where the devil is going to be given free reign on this planet. We got to be out of the way. I talked about this in part 5. We have to be out of the way because the Holy Spirit lives in us. The Holy Spirit is the one holding him back. But once we're taken away the Holy Spirit with us, then he can do whatever he wants. And he's going to. This is also a time known as the time of Jacob's trouble. Jeremiah 30 and 7. Alas, for that day is great, so that none is like it, and it is the time of Jacob's trouble, but he shall be saved out of it. This is the New King James Version. Many feel that the time of Jacob's trouble takes place during this seven-year tribulation period. There are many reasons for this conclusion, but let me give you a couple examples. In Daniel chapter 9, we read about The sets of seven. Seven sets, which is 49, then 62 sets, which totals 69 sets, but there are 70 sets of seven mentioned in the Bible that the the Israelites will be accounted for. There's one missing. There's one last set of seven. And we believe That is the seven years. Now, that 483 years went right up to Jesus when he died. From the time that they began to build the wall and rebuild the temple under Nehemiah's reign, that clock started ticking. Verse 24 A period of seven sets of seven has been decreed for your people in your holy city to finish their rebellion. To finish what? their rebellion, to put an end to their sin, to atone for their guilt, to bring in everlasting righteousness, to confirm the prophetic vision, and to anoint the most holy place. Man, there's a lot going on in this verse. Go back and read Daniel. It says they're gonna, God's going to put an end to their sin, atone for their guilt, bring everlasting righteousness, confirm the prophetic vision, and anoint the most holy place. Now he did the first two. He's taking care of that, but they've not accepted it yet. The confirmation of this prophetic vision has not happened yet. Anointing the most holy place has yet to have taken place. But it's coming. Verse 24 is talking about Jesus reaching the Jews. Verse 25. Now listen and understand. Seven sets of seven plus 62 sets of seven. That's 69 if you didn't figure that out. we Will pass from the time the command is given to rebuild Jerusalem until a ruler, the anointed one, comes. Jerusalem will be rebuilt with streets and strong defenses despite the perilous times. So we're seeing this happen under Nehemiah. Verse 25 talks about how the clock starts ticking when the command is given to rebuild the city. Then there's 483 years... To the point where Jesus comes back in the flesh and he dies on the cross. Listen to this part, verse 26. After this period of 62 sets of seven, so you had 49, then you have 483, and then you have the anointed one will be killed, appearing to have accomplished nothing, and a ruler will arise whose armies will destroy the city and the temple. The end will come with a flood and war and its miseries are decreed from that time to the very end. Now what I want you to see here, what I want you to watch closely here, is what happens between verses 26 and 27. After the 62 sets of seven, which followed the seven sets of seven for a total of 69, the anointed one Jesus is killed. We know that. He hung on the cross, right? That happened in about A.D. 33, Then in AD 70, the Roman army under Titus destroyed Jerusalem and the temple. Completely, just as the Bible predicted. But then we jump. Between 26 and 27, we jump from this period of time, AD 70, all the way to the tribulation. the end of the age of the Gentiles. When it comes to an end, that period of seven years is going to begin. There's a shift from the age of salvation to the flood and war and miseries to the very end, meaning when Jesus comes back. The book of Revelation is talking about the revelation of Jesus as King on the earth. That's going to happen. In chapter 19 he's coming back the bible reveals that he's going to do this verse 27 the ruler will make a treaty with the people for a period of one set of seven how long is that seven years but after half this time which is Three and a half years, he will put an end to the sacrifices and offerings, and as a climax to all his terrible deeds, he will set up a sacrilegious object that causes desecration until the fate decreed for this defiler is finally poured out on him. We're going to read all about that as we go through chapters 6 through 18. What I want you to see is this prophecy in Daniel skips a thousand years in a rather quick amount of time between two verses. But by knowing that immediately after Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection that we entered the age of grace or the age of the Gentiles, it makes a whole lot more sense as to why the time clock stopped because now the Jews are no longer the, in the forefront. In fact, if I can put it this way, they kind of are out of the picture for a little while. But they're going to be back front and center real soon during the tribulation. This age of salvation, we we read about that a little bit in 2 Corinthians 6-2. At just the right time I heard you, God said, on the day of salvation I helped you indeed. The right time is now, what? Today is the day of salvation. Today is the day of salvation. Today is the day to get saved if you have not Because you don't know if you're going to have tomorrow. So the clock stopped at 69 sevens. But the Bible says there are seventy sevens that were predicted over Israel. So there's one left to be fulfilled. But once we're out of the way, the clock will start ticking again. Verse 27 is talking about the Jews. The Jews are the ones that are going to go through this period. The Jews are the ones that are going to have to fight not taking the mark of the beast. The converted Jews, I should say. That's what I want you to see. Some believe that this peace that's going to come is actually going to be a treaty where he works it out so that Jerusalem, the Israelites, can actually establish their holy temple again, which right now happens to be a Muslim monument. And if he can work that out, he's going to be in pretty good shape with everybody. So when the age of the gentiles or the age of grace finally comes, God is going to send Jesus to come and get us. Bring your kids home, he's going to say. We read about this in 1st Thessalonians 4:16 and 17. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a commanding shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trumpet call of God, first the Christians who have died will rise from their graves. Then, together with them, we who are still alive and remain on the earth will be caught up in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Then we will be with the Lord forever. Where are we meet in Jesus in the air. There are so many other things that I want to share with you today. But again, we're coming down to the end of the message. I believe that as soon as we go up, the time of Jacob's trouble is going to begin. That last seven is going to play itself out. There are a couple other things that Dr. Jack Van Empey mentions that prove, if you will, that it's the Jews that are going to be here during the tribulation. They're the ones that are going to actually be getting saved. He mentions the Sabbath, then he mentions the tribes who will mourn. How many have read the book Matthew 24 and 25? Those chapters, All right, Those are talking about the end times, right? Dr. Van Impe believes, as I do, that some of those passages refer to the Jews, others to the church. There are two elects. The Jews were elected, they were chosen by God first, and then later, Through Jesus, we were chosen, and now we are also the elect, right? Are you with me, without me having to go there and show you? All right, so we read this in Matthew 24, verse 20 and 22. Pray that your flight, they're not talking about airplanes, because this is, it would have been camels, if anything, all right? Pray that your flight will not be in the winter or on the Sabbath. So unless you're Seventh-day Adventist, this is probably not going to pertain to you. This is talking about the Jews. The Jews worshipped on the Sabbath. For there will be greater anguish than at any time since the world began, and it will be so great again. In fact, unless that time of calamity is shortened, not a single person would survive, but it will be shortened for the sake of who? God's elect. God's chosen people. It's got to be the Jews that are still here. You know, this is so set up already. Israel is surrounded by their enemies already. The only place they're not surrounded is the Mediterranean Sea, and that's just a matter of somebody sending some big ships in there. You think God doesn't know what He's talking about? He knows the beginning from the end. He knows exactly what's going to happen. What about the people mourning? Hmm. Zechariah 14. I'm going to just give you a little primer here. 3 through 5. Then the Lord will go out to fight against those nations. This is talking about when He's coming back, as He has fought in past time. On that day, His feet will stand on the Mount of Olives. Where is He going to stand? When He comes back for us, where are we going to meet Him? Keep that in mind, all right? He's going to stand on the Mount of Olives east of Jerusalem. The Mount of Olives will split apart, making a wide valley running from east to west. Half the mountain will move toward the north, half toward the south. You will flee through this valley, for it will reach across to Azel. Yes, you will flee as you did from the earthquake in the days of King Uzziah of Judah. Then the Lord my God will come and his holy ones with him. That's us. We're going to be with Him when He comes back. Jesus is physically going to stand on this earth during His revelation. There's a difference between rapture and revelation. Rapture, the church is going to be snatched away. Revelation, He's coming back. And we're already with Him. Now let's finish with Matthew 24, 30 and 31. And then, at last. Oh, I'd never caught that before. Then, at last. What does that usually mean? You're getting to the end, man. At last, the sign that the Son of Man is coming will appear in the heavens and there will be deep mourning among all peoples of the earth. At last. Man, we've been waiting for this jesus has been waiting for this at last it's coming when i can come and set up my kingdom on earth thy kingdom come thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven but let me ask you this why would the church mourn if he's coming back we wouldn't we're not here The people that are going to be mourning are the ones that were not ready or that denied Jesus when they were on this planet. They're going to mourn because all of a sudden it's going to hit them. I didn't say yes to Jesus. I denied Him. They told me that if I didn't accept what He did for me, then then I was going to be destined for... You're going to want several of these. And it's not going to help. No, the church isn't here. Do you see what I'm saying? They will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. When he comes back for us, we're meeting him in the air. They're not going to see that. This is going to be, and we're gone. Now, there might be a pile of clothes where you and I are standing or sitting. I don't know. Because we're supposedly being transformed into these glorious bodies. I know we're going to look good. (laughs) I don't know what it's going to look like, but I know this. They're going to have all kinds of stories to tell for why we disappeared. Aliens took them. They were we thought them out. Yeah, who's a weirdo? He will send out his angels, last verse, with the mighty blast of a trumpet and they will gather his chosen ones from all over the world, from the farthest ends of the earth and heaven. He's going to send his angels out after his people, the Jews. And anybody else, listen. Others will get saved during this time. Not just Jewish people. But it's going to be really hard for them to stay saved. Because they're probably going to have to give their life. Bow before the beast. Or off with your head. Take the mark. Or you can't eat. We're not going to be here. Na, 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 na. We're not gonna be here. I don't wanna be here. If you think we're gonna be here, you can believe you're gonna be here. By faith, if you wanna be here, you can be here. But by faith, I'm gonna trust that God's Word says the church is gonna be raptured, we're gonna be snatched off this planet, we're gonna go with Jesus, we're gonna be given the glorious bodies. And we're going to partay for about seven years. And and toward the end of that, we're going to get ready for a war. Our part's going to be minimal because all he's going to do is open his mouth and it's over. I can't imagine when Jesus opens his mouth. His enemies are going to melt. Do you believe it? Do you believe God's word? Would you stand with me? The good news is the church will not be here during this time period. We're going to be with the Lord forever and ever and ever. We pray you enjoyed this message from Pastor Norm Oberlin. If you would like to partner with Mount Hope Church, you can make your tax-deductible donation online at GaylordChurch.com. From there, just click on Give Online Now. Thanks for listening. We can't wait to be with you again next week.